Uh, today we're going to close out the series on the sacraments. Uh, we've, we've talked for the last five weeks on the mystery, exploring the, side, the mystery side. And we've, we've, ex- we've explored every aspect of uh, communion, water baptism, including divine healing, and all the things that are connected to that. We've, we've kind of turned it inside and out. There's also the second part of the sacraments, and that is the side, the side that is the oath. And that's what we're going to be kind of centering on today. A sacrament is a Christian rite that is believed to have been ordained by Christ and it's held to be a means of divine grace or to be a sign or symbol of a spiritual reality. Uh, Most of the English translations do not have the word sacrament in them. It's not mentioned there. Uh, Sacrament itself comes from the Latin word sacramentum, which is the word for a soldier's oath of allegiance. Those of you that are in the military, you know what I'm talking about. It's through Eastern Orthodox that we find the idea of mystery that was associated with it. And we're not going to unpack any more of that today. I think we've pretty well unpacked that well. But today, as we look at the oath side of communion, the oath side of water baptism and the sacraments, I want to just kind of explore this for just a little while this morning. And then when we close the service out, before we do dismiss today, we're all going to be taking communion now. We're not going to do it as we have been with the little prepackaged deals. We actually have stations set up. There's eight across the front. There's two in the back. Uh, the two in the back are gluten-free options if you, if you need that and prefer that. Um, but I want to just kind of talk you through what we're going to do because we're doing it a little bit differently. And I'll talk to you about that as we move to that part of the service. But there's many different types of oaths. There's the military oath. There's the wedding oath. There's the oath of office and so on and so forth. Uh, our armed forces, those of you that are military, we're a huge military church and military area here. Except for the National Guard, uh, the National Guard, is their oath is to the governor of the state that they're serving in, as I understand it. But it kind of goes like this, and you can probably remember it. I, and you state your name there, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. When you get married, you have an oath. You, you make a covenant, but you have an oath, and you, it goes something like this. Uh, do you promise to love her or him, depending on if you're the bride or the groom? Comfort her. Honor her, keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep yourself totally devoted to her as long as you both shall live. Years ago, Kristen, our daughter, was a paralegal, and so one day she just had the bright idea that she was going to look up her daddy's record. (laughs) And when she pulled out my name, there's pages, and she's going, my daddy has a record. And she's pulling up all this stuff. And they're literally there page after page after page. When she started delving into it, she realized, it's all weddings that I've done. And there are many weddings, many of them down through the years. And so uh, I, I don't have a, a record. <laughs> as far as you know, anyway. <laughs> Anymore. Um, no, no, I don't have a record. <laughs> I don't have a record. Never have had one. Um, it's a miracle that I don't, but I don't. So what is an oath? What is an oath? An oath is a solemn promise um, regarding one's future action or behavior. It's a vow, a promise, a pledge, an affirmation. When it comes to vows, when it comes to promises or oaths, Jesus said this, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
In other words, when you, when you say, I'm going to do something, you do it. Don't, don't live your life in a fashion of, well, I'm, yeah, maybe. Or, no, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you commit to doing something, then follow it through. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to say yes to following Jesus, then say yes to following Jesus and then follow Jesus. If you're going to say yes to someone, buy, when you're going to buy a car, if you say yes, I'll make payments, so then make the payments. Or if I'm going to buy a home, if, if I'm going to be your friend, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that I can to prove myself worthy of the vow or the oath that I've taken. I'm going to, be, I'm, I'm going to make a promise to you, a vow to you, regarding our future action and our behavior. The decision to follow Jesus is such a commitment. Unfortunately, in, in, in the last 25, 30 years or, or more, the decision to follow Jesus has become more of a socially accepted thing. Probably in the last 50 years, I guess. We're used to, if you decided to follow Jesus, you, you might not have been something that, that anybody wanted. But now, you know, everybody follows Jesus. Everybody, everybody, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And it's great that you believe in Jesus. It's great that somewhere in a vacation Bible school or a youth camp somewhere or on watching TV somewhere, somebody drug you to church, you raised your hand and you said the sinner's prayer and all that kind of stuff. All of those things are great and they're wonderful. But I wonder if we ever consider the vow side of that decision, the oath uh, side of that decision, or is it just words that we say? When we say, I am going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that is a commitment, that is a vow, that is an oath to follow Jesus in every aspect of my life. Unfortunately, too many people believe that I can say it one time and I never have to worry about it again. I can do anything that I want to do and live any way that I want to live and everything's cool between me and God. And the problem with that is there's a problem with that. There's a serious problem with that. Jesus taught this, this, he's talking and he tells these people this in Luke chapter nine, he says this, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or is lost? There's two things that are involved in following Jesus, making a commitment to follow Jesus. One of them is self-denial. Self-denial. Now, this is something that is very foreign to Americans. Because we live, in, we live in a fairly affluent world, in a fairly affluent country and culture. Um, and so we don't necessarily think in terms of, I've got to set aside some of myself to be a follower of Christ. Everybody says, I love Jesus. But just saying those words doesn't make you a follower of Christ. Just saying the, 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 the formula, if you will, in Scripture doesn't make you a follower of Christ. It might make you a believer but it doesn't make you a follower. But here Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after, to follow me, let him deny himself. So let's talk about self-denial for just a moment. Self-denial is a willful setting aside of me. What I want, what I desire. It is a willful decision to identify with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. There's a story. Jesus tells a story of a, of a young man in, in Scripture. He says that, that he has great wealth. And I, I'm not anti-wealth. I, I, I think that wealth can be a gift from God. I also think that it can be a stumbling block to a lot of people. 
So here's, what, here's, here's the story. Jesus, this guy comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, the commandments. Keep the commandments. He said, all this I've done for my birth. I've been, a, I've been a good guy. I've kept all the commandments. Then Jesus comes out of left field and says, okay, there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the, the next phrase, the, the young man went away sorrowful because he had great possession. Now, a lot of people use that to say that Jesus is anti-wealth. He's not anti-wealth. He's not. But there's a problem in this young man's life. He's kept all of the commandments, but it's down to the point where now Jesus is requiring something additional. He's requiring him to set himself aside. Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, then come and follow me. He walked away sorrowful. Everybody was looking at him, and Jesus finally says this. He said, he said, it's sad. Because had he done this, he would have received so much more, a hundredfold in this life, so much more in this life, and a hundredfold more in the life to come. In other words, if you had set aside yourself, you never lose anything on this side. You never lose anything on this side, but you have to get out of the way. You have to die to yourself. You have to literally deny your own wealth, your own ideas, your own desires, your own dreams. Set those aside to see what God has for you. I will tell you this 100% of the time, what God has for you is better than what you have for you. 100% of the time. God's plan for your life is so much better than your plan for your life. But we get wrapped up in what? Our own stuff. We get wrapped up in me. I want this. I want that. I work for this. I work for that. I want to make sure that I have what. Listen to me. Give yourself to Jesus Christ and let Jesus determine your future. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. It's the same way with your finances. I can't can't give a chunk of my income to the Lord. Well, why not? Because I don't have enough to live on. Well, if you're working in your own personal prosperity, maybe not. But what if you were operating in God's economy where he owns the cattle on on a thousand hills? He owns the cotton-picking hills. He's the one that put the stars in this place. He spoke the worlds into existence. He created the heavens and the earth. He he spoke you. He breathed life into you. He's the creator of it all, including all the gold. All the gold. God's prosperity is not contingent upon the United States' prosperity. Oh, we're going to a recession. In God's economy, there's never a recession. There's never a recession. Now, you can't be stupid, okay? But you give to God what is God's, and God will take care of the rest. He always does, 100% of the time. Self-denial and cross-bearing. Self-denial is a willful setting aside of me. It's saying that I, I, I will identify with Jesus Christ. I will not identify with what society tells me to identify with. I will not construct my life based on my ethnic origins I am not, or prejudicial expectation. I am not defined by, by, by my socioeconomic class or by social relationship. I am not defined by any of those things. I am who I am because Jesus says that's who I am. That's who I identify with. 
That is denying self. I'm saying no to what the world and others may want from me, and I'm saying to yet, I'm saying yes to what Jesus is asking of me. We sang it earlier today, and I had when I when Charlie put the order of service, all the songs together this morning. He did that on like Monday. He didn't get the, he didn't get a copy of the sermon until Friday. But we sang this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. That's what it's all about. That's what we're talking about here this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. I am denying myself. Cross-bearing, what is about cross-bearing? Does that mean I go out and build a cross and I put it over my shoulder and I tote it to work every day? If you want to, I guess you can. But that's not what we're talking about here. Cross-bearing is simply this. I am saying yes to the cross that I will bear. Because of my love for the one who literally died on a cross for me, I am dying to me. Oh, well, that's the cross I bear. The cross that Jesus is requiring of us is the cross that you and I crucify ourselves on. Well, I've got this hang up or I've got this habit. That's my cross. That's not your cross. That's not your cross. I thought it was for years. But then one day this just exploded as I began to research this, I began to realize that the cross that Jesus is asking me to carry is the cross that I die on. The cross that I die to me, my wants, my desires, my passions. I die to myself so that I can become more like Jesus. I die to myself, my wants, so that I can do more of what he wants of me. It literally is moving from being a believer in Jesus Christ to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And there is a big difference, huge difference. Oh, I believe. All you have to do is believe initially. Initially, but then there's more. When do you move from just saying, I believe in Jesus Christ to being, I am following him in every way of my life? That's the steps of discipleship. It is in following Jesus Christ that we become a disciple of Jesus. And if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then obedience is key. Because Jesus said in another place, he said, look, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of the Father. Do what? Do the things of God. Do the things of God. You say, well, I still don't see how, how this oath has anything to do with communion or water baptism. Well, in communion, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's a command. It's a command. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Do this. Do this. He said, crucify yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Do this in remembrance, in obedience to. The disciple of Jesus lives a life of obedience to the will and way of God. But that first means that we've got to set ourselves aside. We've got to move away from what we think we want so that we can truly experience what God wants for us. He said to that young guy that day, he said, if he had just made the decision, he would have received more in this life than he could ever imagine. 
Well, are you saying that if I serve Jesus, I'm going to be a millionaire? Uh, I'm not saying that. But if you are, you should tithe. <laughs> Just say it. What I am saying is this, that if you're a millionaire today and you give it all away and you give it to the poor, you're not going to miss it. That's how it works. That's how it works. If it works that way in finances, how much more is it going to work in our dreams? I have this dream to do this. Dr. Rutland talked about dreams last Sunday. I want to I I do this. Okay. Have you given that to the Lord? Have you given your dream to Jesus? You see, unfortunately, we tend, we tend to put our dreams ahead of the Lord. And we tend to show our children that their dreams sometimes are more important than the things of the Lord. I mean, think about this. How often, and I'm not, I'm not anti-sports. I love sports. I play sports. I, don't, I know I don't look at it anymore, but I did. I was very athletic when I was younger. Now I'm kind of a not. <laughs> if I can't get there in that, in, in that 2,500, I'm probably not going to go. You know? But here's the thing. How often do we, by our actions, show our children that their dreams of athletic importance, athletic competition is more important than their walk with Jesus. When we forsake coming together on Sunday so that we can be a part of travel ball teams and all this, and there again, I'm not anti. I'm saying, if they see that coming in front of your family's walk with Jesus, are you really denying yourself and showing your children what it means to deny themselves? so that God will elevate you. Yeah, but if they don't do this, then they're never going to have a shot at that. How do you know that? How do you know until you put them in the hands of God and see how God elevates the people that are supposed to be elevated? How do you know? You're saying to God, I'll handle my kid's future. I'll handle my kid's future. I'll handle my, if I can get my kid to get a scholarship, then I'll handle this. If I can do that, then I don't have to pay for their college. What if God... Somehow, miraculously, because you gave everything to God, including your children's future, if you gave it all to God, what would happen if you trusted him with it? And when it got to be that time, there's enough there that they wouldn't have to take out school loans. But yet you never know because you choose to take care of it yourself. And I'm not talking about being stupid and spending their college fund. I'm saying, when are we going to recognize That as followers of Jesus Christ, moving from believer to follower to disciple takes obedience on our part in every single way. That is the oath that we speak every time we take communion. Every time we take communion, we say, Lord, this is your body. I honor it as such. This is your blood. I honor it as such. This is your body. I honor it as such. Or do we just put it on the shelf and go, I'll give you this and I'll give you this, but I'm going to take care of this, Lord, because I know better. Think about it. Think about it. Have you decided to follow Jesus? He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way he took the cup. 
Paul reiterated in 1 Corinthians 11 when he said, do this. Whenever you drink it, whenever you eat, do this. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Water baptism is an outward expression, outward confession or proclamation or expression of an inward transformation through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is an oath to follow Jesus. At the Lord's table, each observance, every time, is such a powerful occasion for our confession of faith to the Lord. In the sacrament, each person who follows Jesus, each Christian confesses before all heaven that he or she not only believes, but they have not forgotten what Jesus did for us. In remembrance is, is more than just a memory. It is an active calling to mind. Not only do I remember what Jesus did, but I recall, I meditate, I contemplate the meaning of his sacrifice for me. And by partaking, I am literally preaching the gospel as an illustrated sermon to the people that are there seeing it happen. This is what's going on. When I do this, I'm preaching a sermon on the grace and mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. Because I do this, I'm preaching the sermon. Every time I proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The outward act of faith as the bread and cup are taken is an onward active confession. It is an oath or a vow. Each time I do this, I'm professing, I'm proclaiming, I'm confessing, and thus I am laying hold to all the benefits of Jesus Christ as well. At the table of the Lord, I not only remember, but I actively appropriate the benefits Jesus died to provide me through the cross. Listen, guys, this morning, let's stand all over the house. Those of you that are going to our eldership staff, would you go ahead and move to the stations this morning? Living for Jesus. Living for Jesus is more than words we say. It is more than words we say. It is a vow that we make, a covenant with him that says, I will follow Jesus Christ in every area of my life. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? That's what it is. That's what it is. Now this morning, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray over the meal. And then the lights are going to be dimmed in the house a little bit. I know we've got some lighting issues in here that we're trying to address, but here's what I want you to do this morning. We're doing communion by intincture today. It's a different method than we usually use. If that seems a little weird to you, if you want to do the cup, there's cups here for you. But basically what we're going to do is we're going to, have, we're going to come forward to one of the stations. When you come forward, there's going to be some people here. They're going to ask you two questions, and then they're going to serve you the bread. You take the bread, you dip it in the cup, and then you eat. And when they, you finish doing that, they're going to say a blessing, speak a blessing over you, and then we have a little gift for you. Because what we want to do, we're going to send you home with a communion cup that we purchased, uh, made out of olive wood. Uh, they're little beautiful reminders, but you take it home and you use it in your home. Do this with your family every day if you want to. As often as you do this, as often. You can do it as often as you want, but we want you to do it. Like I said, if you come forward and you go, I don't really want to put the bread in some other people in there, maybe floaties in there or something like that. We're going to try to keep it changed out. Okay, but I get, some people get kind of, eh. Okay, there are individual cups there. That's fine. That's fine. But they'll guide you through this process, okay? Gluten-free, the two stations in the back, one on each side of the building. There's eight stations across the front. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry get down toward the end, Tommy will come and close us out with the Lord's Prayer this morning. But just bow your heads with me, and then we're going to take communion together this morning. Father, as we move to the Lord's table today, 
we stand at your table, God, I pray that you would speak deeply to us, Lord. Father, when we're asked this morning, do we honor the bread as your body? Do we honor the cup as your blood? That we answer in the affirmative, yes. And that by your spirit, something comes alive in us in this place today. God, I speak healing into those that are sick in this house this morning. As they partake of your blood, your body, I speak healing into their bodies this morning. Father, for those that are in need of redemption today, Father, as they make this their choice, they decide to follow you, God. That they walk clean before you when they leave this house today, Father. And do your work in us during this time at the Lord's table. Speak deeply to us all over this house. We give you praise and we give you glory. As you move forward this morning, just come and find one of the stations. Move back to your seats after you partake it and we'll close out the service in just a few minutes. God bless you as you eat at the Lord's table this morning.